Seasons change. Why not your tech? Upgrade now during the Dell Technologies Summer Sale event and save on select PCs, like the XPS 16, powered by Intel Core processors. You'll be able to bring your most intensive projects to life with built-in AI, minimalistic design, immersive visuals, and cinematic audio. When you shop online at dell.com deals, you'll have access to exceptional tech and electronics, plus free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Dell.com slash deals. That's Dell.com slash deals. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. So it's 2019. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. But before you go dropping hundreds of dollars on a pair, you need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. Raycon earbuds start off at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound just as amazing. The company was actually co-founded by Ray J, and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Melissa Etheridge, Cardi B, Brandy, J.R. Smith, and more are already obsessed. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable and so easy to take anywhere. Unlike some of your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet, with no dangling wires or stems. And of course, they don't just look great, they sound great too. And they're perfect for listening to all your favorite iHeartRadio podcasts on the go. Raycon offers their wireless earbuds for everyone in a range of fun colors and at an unbeatable price. So go to buyraycon.com slash iHeart to get 20% off your order. That's buyraycon.com slash iHeart for 20% off Raycon wireless earbuds. If you've been eyeing a pair, now is the time to get an amazing deal. One more time, buyraycon.com slash iHeart. My next guest is an Olympic champion, something I could never do. I'm a, I'm a watcher. I'm an Olympic champion watcher. Champions are born in many ways. Now, to become a U.S. Olympic champion, it takes many personal sacrifices and a journey. My next guest is a U.S. Olympic medalist. She is Muslim, and she is an activist, and she is an entrepreneur. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, Ibtiha Muhammad. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? First of all, I love your energy. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I, in your book, you know, it was it was always your search to uh, your book, the book that just comes out July 24th is uh, called Proud. And you have two versions mm-hmm. of that. Correct. One for from one for eight to 12 and then the adult version that I read. I'm saying the adult version, like like it's some scary version of adult. But you, you decided to write two versions. Why is that? Well, it's always been important for me to hopefully inspire our youth in particular with my journey. And I thought, what better way to do that than to have a young readers edition? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I remember, you know, growing up and having these moments where, you know, the behavior of your friends and the people around you can affect how you feel about yourself. And 
we all, you know, need that push sometimes, if not from the people around us, maybe you can find inspiration maybe in my story or from an athlete or, you know, someone in, in your life. Well, the, the inspiration I found was that uh, you never gave up. Uh, uh, well, let's go back a little bit. I remember the, when you was running track and, uh, and your father told you, if it gets too hot, it gets too, gets too much for you, just stop. And you stopped when you was running track and you ran over to your brother. Your brother said, why did you stop? You were winning. And your mom looked at you. Mom just looked at you. Gave you that mom look. And your mom, I love to death in this book. If you want to be inspired by anybody in this book, you got to read this book to read about her mom. She's amazing. That was that was the turning point for you on, on, on decision making at that critical point, at critical point in your life. Correct. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's I, I my dad who, um, you know, worked you know, for most of my childhood, more than one job. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't at my track meet. Couldn't make this one track meet I had. And he says, you know, if you ever, it was really hot outside and work a job. <laughs> He's like, if it ever gets too hard or, you know, you feel like you can't breathe, it's okay to stop. Mm-hmm. And somewhere in that 1600 or 800, whatever distance it was, hey, I decided, I was, mm-hmm. yeah, I was too hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I decided to stop. But it's interesting how, you know, uh, we, we perceive uh, things, even as children, as being difficult. And that's definitely the turning point in my life because my mom, um, you know, she's, She's always told us, you know, first and foremost, don't waste your money. <laughs> right, 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 um, right. Yeah, my mom, she's, she's, she's a tough cookie, but I think that uh, instilling a strong work ethic in us um, is what my parents always tried to do with me and my siblings. And that's something that I've definitely carried with me uh, onto the field of play as an athlete. Now, we, now let's talk. Let's talk about that story. I don't want to gloss over it because I think young people who read the book that that you read it as well as adults, you know, that point that you feel that you need to give up, that you feel that you've reached your point of frustration, or you feel you maxed out. That's what you thought at that point when you was running the race, and then you was giving it out, and just because you were giving it out, realized that you don't always take it, you know, because you didn't really push yourself. Do you feel you pushed yourself to that point? When you decided to stop or you just heard your father's voice allowing you to just skip out on this moment, what was it? What was it? What was that moment? Because, you know, you because your mom gave you some advice that, you know, you have, if you want something you have to work for. And you wrote that in your book. And so your brother, right. your brother looked at you like you. What you doing? You were winning. Why did you stop? <laughs> you were winning. So so yeah. it, was, it was a lot of things running in your head, I think, from the very start of that race. It led you to make a decision that was a very abrupt and without even thought, thinking out the process, because a lot of people make those decisions in life, whether it's going to school or jobs or relationships, and, and, so, and they regret those decisions. Thank goodness your, your decision to stop running was one of, wasn't one of those life-changing decisions. You know, you can always just get on the track the next day, but a lot of people do. Walk us through those steps where you made that decision to walk away in that race. Well, again, I mean, I was really young. Uh, this is pretty early. I'm not even sure I was in middle school yet. Mm-hmm. And I think that that particular situation, mm-hmm. if you're young or old, we can all, like you said, you can learn from. Right. I've had moments like that throughout my career where I feel like maybe something is too difficult or this situation might be too hard. And, of course, 
it may be easier to walk away. As one of very few athletes of color on the United States fencing team, and as the only Muslim woman Mm -hmm. in hijab on the United States Olympic team, Mm -hmm. there's no part of my story that's ever been easy. I know. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, traveling this, this road that not other people who look like me have done before. So you do reach that kind of crossroad in your life where you say, okay, I haven't seen it done before. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure it's possible. Mm -hmm. I know that it's going to be hard and I could, it's much easier to say, okay, I'm not going to do it because it's too difficult or I'm not sure if it's possible. And my entire life has been a leap of faith. And I think that my faith in my journey being more, having more purpose than just it being about me has led me to have this type of tenacity to keep pushing forward and to be proud of who I am and be proud of my skin and be proud of my hijab and, and say that this is who I am. And I don't really care if you, if you like it or not, I'm going to create a seat at the table, not just for me, but people who look like me. And that has been something that I've been very steadfast and determined to do from Mm -hmm. the time, you know, I really set foot on the fencing strip at 12 years old. Now, it's interesting you're saying that because of the fact that uh, you have a fashion line and uh, it's called Luella, right? Yep, Luella after my grandmother. Your grandmother. I went to the website and I went, wow, this looks very good. Looks very, uh, very fashion forward. And so what made you go into that line? Because, you know, this is just me. Right? I'm going to just say this, you know, because reading your story, I, I constantly you constantly wanted to have fun. You constantly want to be a regular person. But your but your lifestyle, people always wanted to treat you different when you walked in a room or, or had snide remarks or bullied you, especially in your middle school, and your high school years. And then you come out with a fashion line. And we're going to talk about the doll in a minute. But let's talk about that and the importance of, of designing that and laying out a, a footprint of who you are and what people can do in, uh, in, this, in this lifestyle. Yeah, so as a sports ambassador for the U.S. State Department and also as a public figure within the Muslim community for a really long time, I've had, you know, events where I'm speaking in front of, you know, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand people. And as a Muslim woman, I want to be modest in what I wear. Right. So I struggled to find fashionable, <laughs> modest options in the U.S. market, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I was ordering a lot of things from overseas. And I just kind of arrived at a point in my life where I'm like, you know what? There's a void. There's a need for this in the United States. Nobody's doing it well. And my siblings and I decided that we would do that. So we literally started our company in Los Angeles, a leap of faith and really out of necessity. Mm-hmm. It was time for there to be something that's made here in the United States for women who want to dress modestly, but also be fashionable. Being modest doesn't mean being dowdy or wearing dark colors. I mean, Muslim women, like anyone else, want to express ourselves through what our what we wear. Right. And it just seemed very fitting for me and my siblings to start the company. Now, all the all the siblings and is your brother, your older brother, he's involved? He is. For a really long time he oversees the production good, good, side. Good. I read your yeah. book now. I read your book now. You know, your brother, <laughs> you know, 
So he's a really he's a great character in the book as far as uh, step, stepping up for you, especially when that young man bullied you and pinched your arm real hard. He's right there with you. Oh, oh yeah, he he was great for for sticking up for us when we were younger. <laughs> Well, we want, we're going to take a break right quick, and we're going to come back. And uh, I want to talk about that dramatic moment when you made two decisions, one to walk away from fencing and one to change your major. Those are two major decisions yeah. that, uh, that that made you who you are, who you are today. And uh, we'll be right back uh, with Money Making Conversations. She's fantastic. She's an Olympic champion. And guess what? I'm talking to her on Money Making Conversations. Keep winning. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald. You're listening to Money Making Conversations on the phone. Uh, Olympic champion, medalist, U.S. Olympic medalist, uh, fashion designer, clothes. She has a doll. The tails put out in, the, in their Shiro line. Empty uh, Hop, Muhammad. Tell me, a doll. You have a doll now. A tail. What happened when you realized that was happening to you? You're actually going to be immortalized in the toy world. I have always been a fan of Barbie. <laughs> I mean, Come I on. talked my brother. Come on. I know you were psyched, right? When you when they showed it to you, you was pumped up, right? I, to be completely honest, I cried. I mean, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that, you know, this toy was going to market. Mattel has a Shiro line in which they, you know, make a doll for their kind of hall, Mattel Hall of Fame. Uh, for a woman every year who embodies these different qualities. qualities. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that women, that, that girls in particular can look up to, aspire to be, find inspiration in. So I thought that, you know, it's great to be a part of this long line of women like Ava DuVernay um, and mm-hmm. Ashley Graham. And that was an honor in itself. But to find out that my Barbie doll, which is the first, doll and hijab and also the first sensor uh, that Mattel will have on toy shelves. It, you know, to be honest, it, again, it made me, it brought me to tears. I grew up playing with Barbie. Barbie was a huge part of my life. It mm-hmm. allowed me to view myself in a way that very few other things in my life did. And it allowed me to escape from my older brother who bullied me at times. It allowed <laughs> me to be a firefighter, you know, to be a doctor, to be a stay at home mom. I had a Corvette. I had a three story house with a pool on the roof. I had all these cool things with my Barbie doll. And uh, I think what, what was most important about my doll play as a kid is that my mom only bought brown dolls for me and my sisters. Right. And that was her, you know, small way in ensuring that her daughters saw themselves represented even in something as simple as, as doll play. So I'm, again, very honored to be a part of the Mattel company, especially in this really important moment. You know, for a company to choose to be inclusive, to choose to be diverse is revolutionary. There are a lot of people, especially, you know, with this presidency who aren't choosing that, that side right. of history. So mm-hmm. I'm very appreciative. Okay, so... So you got a fashion line, Luella, named after your grandmother. Now you're part of the Shiro doll line. Okay, so these things are happening to you, young lady. And you did, and so, but you walked away from fencing. Why? You're referring to me uh, walking away from fencing when I was in college? Yes, ma'am. Um, you know, I, I like anyone uh, at that time in my life, wanted to experience college in um, all of its capacity. Uh, when you're a student athlete at, you know, one of the top five schools in the country, 
very difficult to balance, you know, academia, athletics, and a social life. And being, again, being in, in a space as a minority athlete, you know, I was the only black person on my fencing team. It was hard. It was difficult. And I think after three years of, of fencing at Duke, I just needed maybe a bit of a reprieve also to just kind of enjoy my time away from, you know, everything being in North Carolina for that last year. And so you, you, you walk away from it in college. I should have established that time frame for me because you went like, okay, what is he talking about? I walked away from today. But the thing about it is that you did graduate with your degree, but it wasn't the degree that your parents thought you should be graduating with because they had a plan for you to be a doctor. That was a tough right. decision for you to make because, you know, as all parents, like I, you know, my, my parents expected certain things for me when I went to college. And when I decided that that wasn't what the plan, their plan wasn't my plan. That was a tough decision because your father being a police officer, you know, he worked hard. Your mom worked hard. Your mom was at all your practice. She drugged you from out of Newark, drugged you in New York to practice anytime, go to these tournaments to make sure they paid that extra $30, the entry fees. So they've always been there trying to give you that next level, all their kids, not just you, but all your, all their kids, that next level of opportunity of success. And so you make a decision for yourself, really officially probably for the first time to change your major. How did that come about? And when you made that phone call, what made you relax? Well, I think that, you know, it's not, I don't think that my story is unique in the sense that you have black parents or brown parents even who have um, a very, you know, myopic idea of what they want their children to do. And my parents are like, you need to be a doctor or lawyer, you need to be a doctor or lawyer. And for as long as I can remember, I mean, we never even had a break academically. We went from, you know, school uh, nine or ten months out of the year to pre-college programs at local medical right. schools or colleges. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, I have a, a mother who's been um, in education for forever. Right. So <laughs> um, to to have this mindset of, okay, I'm going to be a doctor for my entire life. When I got to school, I realized, wait a second, this isn't, you know, my dream. I think this is more of my parents' dream. And it took me a long time to arrive at that at that realization. And um, when I did, it was, it was great for me because I got a chance to really study things that were important to me. I know that being a child of the public school system, I didn't have the opportunity to learn a lot about my own history as an African American. Right. And I was very um, aware that I wanted to learn as much as I could uh, during my time at Duke about my ancestors and, you know, where I'm from and how um, the African-American experience has really broken down and arrived to where we are today. So it was a conscious decision to not only, you know, major in um, international relations, because I've always been interested in culture and language, but also to double major in African and African-American studies, because I feel like it was something that I owed to, you know, my ancestors who literally laid down their lives so that I could have an experience the things that I've, that I've experienced here uh, in the state. I, I, let me co-sign that. Uh, my degree is in mathematics. My minor is in sociology. 
uh, with a heavy emphasis in African-American studies. And um, she's, she's saying something that's very truthful about public school. Um, they, they just skip over African-American history. And then when I got to college, I took a course that actually brought me to tears. And I realized I didn't know that we did any of these things, you know, because really the way Africa, the way history works for African-Americans, you know, you have Christmas addicts, you know, he, he died at the, he died. He's the first band that they say he kind of like got pushed in the line of fire and then we get freed. And then you have the Jim Crow. They don't really mention our efforts in the, uh, in science and technology. There's no really mention of our efforts in any of the world wars. Um, and then all of a sudden you, you're up to the Brown versus Board of Education then you did I Have a Dream speech. Then you have the riots when MLK, Martin Luther King is assassinated. And then we're here, you know, and we're disenfranchised. And so not knowing your history, I think, is very important because if you don't know what you could be or what you were or what you can be, it can really slow your growth on what you should be and what you're capable of becoming. And I, and I want to just co-sign that that was really important to me. And I'm a male. To, to get mm-hmm. that level of information in my life, it changed me. It changed me. I'm just telling you, it changed yeah. my life. It really, it does. And I wish that more people knew that. And not just African-Americans. I think it's important for us um, as a society, as Americans, to be more aware of our own history. And I think that's how we've arrived to where we are today, to live in a time where, you know, our government is, snatching, you know, children from their homes and separating families is, it's bizarre. And a lot of people are saying, like, how does this happen? It's like, well, if we take a few steps back and we really look at our history and the things that, (laughs) and the atrocities that our government has committed, then I think it would be easier for us to understand how we arrive in this moment. Uh, really quickly, I went to uh, Rwanda last summer mm-hmm. um, on like a service trip for uh, the State Department and with a nonprofit. And it's really interesting to see a country that's experienced um, such a traumatic event within the last 20, 25 right. years and mm-hmm. how to cope with it. They talk about the genocide every day. Mm-hmm. They, they, have a memori- they have memorial museums and they have these different... Um, trips where they're constantly bringing people in. It's very new. There's a lot of tears that are still shed because, you know, ge- like generations were lost. And you have people who committed, you know, the killing next to survivors having to live side by side. But I think what's really, what's really important to learn about Rwanda is that they talk about what happened. They educate their kids so that it doesn't happen again. And that's something that I think we're failing miserably as Americans because we don't talk about our history if it's bad or if it in any way, shape, or form includes black or brown bodies. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how we arrive um, at this moment in time where you have, you know, so much police brutality. You have families being separated at the borders because, you know, we we fail to educate ourselves on on our own history and what we've committed. Well, great. I want to tell everybody, please buy her book. It's called Proud. Please buy her doll in the Shiro line. Please buy her fashion line. She's a she's a marketing genius, and she's a social activist, and she's creating change when she walks out the door. Please, thank you for calling my show. This is Money Making Conversation. 
Listening makes us smarter, more connected people. It makes us better partners, parents, and leaders. And there's no better place to start listening than Audible. Audible is where so many inspiring voices and compelling stories open listeners up to new experiences and ways of thinking. Audible members now get more than ever before. Members choose three titles every month, one audiobook plus two Audible originals that you can't hear anywhere else. Members also have unlimited access to more than 100 audio-guided fitness and meditation programs. Audible delivers bestsellers, business, self-improvement, memoirs, and more, all professionally narrated by actors, authors, and motivational superstars like Rachel Hollis, David Goggins, and Mel Robbins. Audible members can also get free access to the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and Washington Post delivered daily to the Audible app. With the convenient app, members can access Audible anytime, at the gym, while commuting, or on the go, and on any device. We'll always pick right back up where you left off. Audible also offers free and easy audiobook exchanges, credits you can roll over for a year, and a library you keep forever even if you cancel. Explore all the ways listening on Audible can help improve mind, body, and soul with entertainment, information, and inspiration. You can get titles from your favorite iHeart talent such as Chelsea Handler, Danny Shapiro, Charlemagne the God, and Bobby Bones on Audible. Start listening now with a 30-day Audible trial and your first audiobook plus two Audible originals are free. Visit audible.com slash iHeart or text iHeart to 500-500.